Can I just start this by chewing my Laffy Taffy? All right. Well, I mean, clearly our brand new, uh, super smooth theme song will have just played, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess we'll start with that. <laughs> we um, hired some professional pod- uh, podcast theme song singers. Yep. Yeah. Would you like to eat some of my daughter's Halloween candy? <laughs> I mean, it might have some in a minute. The thing is, the one that appeals to me the most is the Tootsie Pop. And yeah. what would be worse for a podcast than eating <laughs> a tootsie pop? Just rattling it on your teeth. Right. Like, well, I mean, maybe a Laffy Taffy, like what you're yeah, eating Yeah, the right Laffy Taffy is pretty bad. <laughs> pretty bad. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, there's a red Tootsie Pop. I'm for sure going that way yeah. in a minute. Yeah. Georgie had a lemon one that she seemed to enjoy. A lemon I, Tootsie I Pop? I couldn't imagine. Yeah, I know. Couldn't imagine. Where's her standards? Good. Come on. I know. She just doesn't know yet. I only have <laughs> cherry. If they don't have cherry, I don't want it. Yeah. And if it doesn't have a star on it, what's the point? I don't know about Do that. Do you know that? No. Oh, the little characters on the Tootsie Pop wrappers? There's one that's like an There's archer and he's shooting a star. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Oh. Or not, if you get that, it's good luck or something. Oh, okay. You got to look at the little characters. It's a thing. Well, clearly all of mine have had stars because <laughs> I'm just so... Yeah. She's so lucky. <laughs> that's, what, that's my theme song, actually, when I walk around. Britney Spears' Lucky is what yeah. you're going with? Okay. Is it? <laughs> 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 yeah, me and Brittany. Yeah. So lucky. Well, you know. I mean, my, my, I've never shaved my head. <laughs> Yet. Yet. Yeah. Give me a month or two. <laughs> Welcome to this episode of the New Concept Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're your hosts. I'm Darcy. I'm, and Katie. And um, on this podcast, we conduct interviews about things we don't know that much about. Yeah. Well, that's just is, you know, very hard to find because we know so much about everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Darcy, did you learn something this week? Yeah, I totally did. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote it down, too. Oh, so I'm excited. This is, what is such it? a dumb thing. It's a po- I'm, po- I'm on my podcast talking about a podcast, but I was listening to the Office Ladies podcast. Have you seen that promoted? Uh-uh. Uh, it's the girl who played Pam and the girl who played Angela um, oh, on The Office. I bet it's hilarious. Yeah, it's great. They do a rewatch. So they do rewatch an episode of The Office and then talk about it and talk about what they remember from filming and et cetera and give fun little stories and... And jokes and whatever. Okay, so my new life plan is that I'm going to also watch the episode and then I'm going <laughs> to I have to go. Listen to the rewatch <laughs> right and then now. do a recap of the rewatch yeah. podcast. <laughs> and I'm going to make a new podcast. Yeah. yeah. But from that first episode, I learned that Phyllis from The Office yeah. was actually the casting assistant. Like she, she cast for, herself? Yeah, she worked for Allison Jones <laughs> Casting, and she was doing all these readings. Okay, but really, what's like a more Phyllis move than that? It's the best. It's yeah. so good. But she was doing all these readings with like the actors, and the director was like, okay, and then how she found out she got the part was he handed her sides, which is like the script pages she reads, right. handed her sides, and the role was Phyllis. And he's like, that's your role. And she's like, what? <laughs> and so that's how Phyllis got cast. Is he, They just liked how she was reading with all the other characters. Well, mine's less fun. So I was on my way over here. I have had a hard week. Um, My mom, who, if you're a listener, you know, um, on episode, I think, nine, we talked to her. And she, shortly after we recorded that episode, went into hospice, um, which just means they were no longer trying to fight the cancer. We're just trying to keep her comfortable. Um, but still at that point, we thought, we have three to six months. Um, and the first few weeks felt pretty good. She kind of, she wasn't leaving the house, but she was feeling better, wasn't nauseous, was eating a little bit again. And then, um, because I guess a little, 
within a week of when we recorded that podcast, she went downhill a lot again. I mean, there is no way we would have been able to record it a week later. Um, so, anyways, it's kind of just been up and down and mainly down since then. Um, and then last week was okay. She kind of has been in the same place for a couple weeks. And um, from Friday to Monday, maybe even Saturday to Sunday. I mean, it was just a huge, huge change. And I was gone and I came home on Monday and it just, it kills me not to be there. And I knew everything had gotten worse and I was on my way home and it feels like you can't breathe. And I thought like, how am I going to do this? Because it was so hard not to be there and to go back in and to see how much it had changed and to see your mom like that. And then last night or even maybe that night, maybe Monday night. So this is Wednesday. So this is two days later. I I sat down and I thought, so I have this bullet journal. This is the longest. What did you learn ever? Sorry. (laughs) Um, So I have this bullet journal and in that I keep uh, as a mood tracker. So I sat down to think about how my mood was and I thought, you know, I'm actually pretty relaxed. Like I feel and I so it just made me realize how resilient. Oh, yeah humans are i mean maybe not even me specifically just people how these things like that knocks the wind out of you and then the next thing you know you're just dealing with it you're rolling with it this is where you live now this is your space Mm. so then it made me question where that comes from Mm. and you know there's all this stuff that you develop in the first three years of your life oh yeah it's from your primary care caregiver so the fact that i'm resilient now and that I can care for my mom and adapt to the fact that sometimes she might not even open her eyes and look at me yeah. or, you know, and yeah. um, the different jobs I have to do, the you know, the increasing amount of dependency that she has or just how hard it really is. I mean, how much it sucks because it does. Every little bit of it sucks. Yeah. Um, but then you get into that moment and. She squeezes your hand and you think, whatever, this is the best thing, you know? Um, So anyways, I think I'm resilient. (laughs) Sorry if that sounds like I'm like, and I'm beautiful. But but I think that's cool to think about the fact that, so anyways, I looked at it. I'm like, why are humans resilient? Where does that come from? And it's something that develops in the first three years only if, and it basically says mother, sometimes it's a primary giver primary caregiver is physically present, emotionally stable. All these things have Mm. to be in place for it's all to do with your mental health and that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's kind of nice and perfect, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) That's where that came from. Yeah. So I just thought that was cool when I figured out where it came from. Yeah. So it's kind of just a circle. Yeah. That's really nice. I guess parenting is the right way to start this. <laughs> That's a perfect lead-in to where we're headed. You're welcome. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for that setup. Um, so, spoiler alert, I just took Drew's suggestion from last week, two weeks ago. It was perfect. Yeah. I, so, um, whatever they suggest tonight, bam. We'll just do theirs. Yeah. <laughs> this is how we wanted it to work all yeah. along. <laughs> Come on. Why is Drew the first one to get it? Know. Maybe it's because she was a loyal listener, so she knows. She knows what we need. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, no, we're going to talk to uh, my friends Jackie and Justin, who are foster parents. Awesome, yeah. Of um, 
three, I believe, teenage boys. <laughs> so that's like the hardcore foster. Overnight. Wow. Uh, yeah. Went from parents of zero children to parents of three teenage boys overnight. Which, can yeah. you even... <laughs> That's another form of resiliency, I think. Yeah. <laughs> like, I truly can't fathom. Huh. I cannot fathom what no. that must have, experience must have been like. Um, and I guess, I don't know, what's your experience with foster kids and foster families? I had uh, a, some family, I had a cousin that did the foster adopt. And I know that a lot of the stories of where those girls came from, it just breaks your heart yeah. to think about uh the kind of the disregard that and the that a mother can have for their child and mm-hmm. then the and the all how much that affects everything i have a cousin that they adopted three little girls and i mean at the beginning they wouldn't stop eating because mm-hmm. they didn't always get food yeah um i don't know what that feels like i've never not had what i actually needed you mm-hmm. know like i've never had everything no. i wanted but my needs were met yeah. Um, and I think that spills over into everything, you know, yeah. they had some real challenges. They had one at one point where they lost the baby that they had raised from birth. I mean, mm. from basically, I mean, she was an infant when they got her. And then it, I, I, in my mind, it's somewhere around 18 months. Mom got her back for a short time mm. and they absolutely played that right. They, uh, they kept the door open. They communicated. They let her know if they, you know, let her know if there was everything they could do. Yeah. They wanted to do it. And eventually the mom said, you should have her back. Yeah. I mean, best case scenario there, you know, mm-hmm. for all of them. Yeah. Um, so I think it can be a very beautiful thing, but I can't imagine how challenging it would be too. Yeah. And scary and just for everyone involved, for the kids and the, to go into someone's home. Well, and then I don't know. I, I don't know if this really exists so much anymore. But when we were growing up, it was also a little stigmatized to mm-hmm. take in foster kids because there was some messed up misconception. Oh, people are so full of shit that, you know, you're getting so much money to take care of these kids. You know, you're getting just tons of, you know, more than they needed. Yeah. And I'm like, there's no way the government's giving you that much extra you know and they're just banking the money and you know not feeding the kids crap i'm like i don't think i have had real life experience with one Mm -hmm. one scenario that was that way i think Mm -hmm. um and that's about as far in detail as i want to go it's not any it's someone Mm -hmm. i met professionally that um i kind of had some gaps and some questions and they said, well, yeah, that's why they have so many foster kids. And they did. Yeah. They had an excessive amount and um, maybe didn't have the best upbringing. Yeah. But also, I don't know. I mean, that's one person's perspective on it. Maybe this person really wants to give seven children a place to, you know. Yeah. And where are they going to be if they're not there? I know. It, and it's probably not that much money, you know. Like, no, I don't think it I don't think it's probably, a, you know, but you see those things. It's on TV, the dramatized, like the refrigerator is locked and the, that kind of <laughs> right. thing, you know. Yeah. Um, so sadly, I'm sure there are those situations. Are there, is there one, you know, that is that what we need to be concerned about right now? <laughs> no, we probably need to worry about the kids that don't have a place to go. Right. Yeah. Well, and then if you read like Tiffany Haddish's book, for example, you hear some real nightmare foster care stories you know and she was in california and from house to house just bad after bad after bad right you know i mean so i'm, I'm sure it's broken too but i think people like jackie and justin are probably 
where you want the system to be headed and the kind of people you want to be foster parents. You know, I mean, right. they're, they're just, um, not doing it for any reason other than they really believe in it, you know? Right. Um, anyway, but I guess we'll get into all of it with them and, and hear yeah. a little bit about what's going on at their house. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Great. Stick with us. Uh, we're here with Jackie and Justin Dakey. <laughs> um, they were kind enough to come talk to us tonight about, I guess we're going to talk about foster parenting. Yeah. Sounds Does good. that seem like a thing to talk about? Sure. <laughs> that is an aspect of our lives. That's, for sure. that's something you do. Let's, I guess, start at the beginning at the background. What made you decide you guys wanted to do this? What was the process? Oh, good question. Um, <laughs> we don't have any biological children. We kind of have, um, I don't know if this is normal or not, but we kind of had been on the fence about having them all together. Kind of thought we had a good gig going, just us hanging out, and we weren't really rushing to have children of our own. Yeah, the whole childbirth thing, I don't think Jack was <laughs> really that interested in. No, I, I wasn't. And so, um, given our jobs and kind of our exposure to the need for foster care, um, I think we kind of settled on the fact that we were like, yeah, we can help out in an area and also maybe um, do a test of our own abilities to see if this is something we'd want to do permanently. Right. <laughs> yeah. Do you, you guys are both lawyers. We are. And you do you deal with family court at all? Yes. Family law at all? Yeah. yeah. Yes. I am a prosecutor in Franklin County, and so I am responsible for all the child abuse and neglect as well as delinquent juvenile cases in Franklin County. And I do a lot of guardian ad litem work, um, which is basically representing kids in juvenile court in abuse and neglect cases. And I also do a lot of uh, representing parents in abuse and neglect cases. And we both do a lot of divorce work and custody work as well. So, is that That's probably pretty standard in rural areas, too. You have to cover a wide swath of things. Right? I definitely think so. I feel like general practitioners are definitely more prevalent in rural areas, especially in Nebraska. Um, you know, I... I am the only attorney in Harlan County that takes domestic work right now. Um, So it's just kind of, um, no one enjoys domestic work, uh, (laughs) divorces, custody stuff. And so um, a lot of older attorneys kind of phase out that part of their practice as they become more established in a community. They don't have to do it as much. Yeah. 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 I mean, basically it's, it's trying at times, you know, you see people really at, very high stress moments of their life and um so i I think that everybody tries to tries to do just enough of it to pay the bills and keep at least that's Mm -hmm. how i kind of do it is keep pay the bills keep the lights on keep myself busy basically Mm -hmm. yeah so you decided Mm -hmm. you wanted to give it a go what that do you just log onto a website? Yeah, <laughs> like, where do you um, start? Yeah, so the process oh, did you just raise yeah. your hand and then go to the city hall and be like, Excuse me, what I can I have a child? Right, no, um, it, kind of a hybrid, actually. No, um, um, basically in Nebraska, you, um, the Department of Health and Human Services is the, age, the agency that oversees foster care and foster care services in Nebraska. Um, you essentially have to. Um, pick a private agency who then contracts with the Department of Health and Human Services 
um, to place children with you. Is that like a Lutheran Family Services? Lutheran Family like Services that? is Something, one. That's uh-huh. familiar South with. Central South Behavioral South, yeah. Services has one. Compass, Compass in Nebraska. Kearney does a very good uh, job. In Nebraska, oh, yeah, I've yeah seen, in Kearney. I've seen their logo. I know yes. who that is generally. Yeah, okay. Compass is very popular for our area. Um, we are with uh, TFI Family Services, which has an office in Lexington, um, but primarily they're they're actually based out of Kansas. Um, and so there are these different private agencies. There's not a whole lot in Nebraska, a whole lot of agencies, but you do have your, your options. Some yeah. of them are more religious-based. Some of them have a religious component, and then others do not. Um, some of them are through larger umbrella organizations like South Central Behavioral Services, and then like TFI is just foster and adoptive care. Yeah. So you yeah. you find yeah. you so find you, that you okay. find an so you agent. get that information. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to go through some sort of approval process. Yeah, Correct. so right. basically, what the, what the what at the front end, the department essentially makes you select your agency that you're going to be serviced through, um, so that they will help guide you through the background check process uh, um, and training and the and the training. So there's a mandatory training. I can't. It's like what's Several weeks. I can't remember how many mm-hmm. how many weeks it was. Like six or eight week mm-hmm. training, um, because the because we did it through TFI, we were lucky enough that they actually came to our house and oh, did it. That's oh, that's yeah. yeah. So, so we had individualized home. training. Um, we met with our our servicer, our family servicer through TFI. Who so was, was it a, like rudimentary? Like this is how you change a diaper? This no, is how you... <clears throat> no. It starts um, basically more like. Uh, big picture like this is the purpose of foster care um whether your intention is to enter into foster care to become an adoptive parent or if you truly just want to be a temporary home for children in need regardless of what your goal is this is the point of foster care in nebraska and that is to provide a safe stable environment for children when it's needed for them sure a lot of that it seems like it's really especially the first few weeks of lessons is really trying to teach people the expectation that typically in foster care, the goal in any case is to get the kids back with their family. Reunification um, is the primary goal for almost every case in Nebraska, unless there's been um, very sexual, serious, yeah, egregious... Seri- serious abuse, sexual yeah. abuse, that type of thing. And so there's a presumption that the kids are going to end up back with their parents um, at the get-go. And, and the, the initial lessons are really trying to teach the foster parent to accept that mm-hmm. and, like, they really want you to know going in that you know a lot of people get into foster care with the idea that they're going to adopt, especially if they're going after younger children. Yeah. Um, and I think that a lot of it's just to really get people immersed in the idea of you may have an expectation for how this is going to go, but there are a lot of factors that are really just out of your control. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you have to you really would have to be prepared for the temper. You know the mm-hmm. the temporariness temporality yes, Tempor- yes. i can't come up with the right word but mm-hmm. but that mm-hmm. you know i mean mm-hmm. that the catch and release you know i mean yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. when we got in <laughs> when we got in we were our whole plan our whole plan was that we were just going to be respite care which is yeah. basically we're gonna have kids for a few weeks when when somebody else like another foster parent parent or a family that maybe had their kid reunited for a while and came back into care or whatever. Basically, when somebody needed a break, yeah, we would take their kids for a short period of time. Sure. That was our that was our plan. <laughs> we actually even some of our initial paperwork. That's what we basically said. Is that yeah. we want you know we're mm-hmm. very short term 
Yes. Or fill people in. And, and Dip our toe in the water. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Our intention was never to adopt. Right. Um, we were not a foster to adopt home. Mm-hmm. You typically have to declare like foster, straight foster or foster to adopt pretty early on in the process. And we never were designated as foster to adopt. Um, it's not something that we were just really interested in. We kind of wanted the temporariness. Yeah, um, of course. And we're okay with that. And, and I think that we really did have a vision, just knowing from our profession, that there was like a need for the respite care side. Yeah, exactly. I would think that would be the hardest side to fill. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so when Because we, you have to keep your home also... Yeah licensed which means and ready that, constantly yes yeah. yeah for any age of child so right as part of the training process what they do um is they teach potential foster families um not only how to deal with the court system and have these expectations but um <clears throat> they work with you to get your house compliant with the standards that the state of nebraska sets as well as what your individual agency might set hmm. so for instance some of the um, religious-based organizations they have religious components maybe to your home that have to be met, um, like church attendance or church family. Our agency didn't have anything like that. And that's one of the reasons we chose them is because we were open to also taking children of different faiths or something of that nature. And we knew that that would be uh, limited here in Nebraska because the majority of the agencies are Are faith-based. That's really good. That makes sense. Um, So we went with TFI because they weren't, not Mm -hmm. because were against it. It yeah. was just that we thought that if there was a child of a different faith that might have trouble being placed, you, you would be a good fit. We could do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So as part of the getting your home ready part was the big freak out that I had. <laughs> the first freak out that I had. Because oh. um, anyone coming into my home and telling me what I needed to change was just, that's not my style. <laughs> but, but then the, the last section of your training is basically focused on what they call the home study. And so you have to pass your home study, um, which is basically your agency puts together um, your weaknesses, your strengths, your package, if you will. And they they send that to the state. And that's the only step that the state really takes in approving you as a foster parent. And then they issue your license. Our home study included, um, they send (laughs) each of you separately like a 30, 40 page packet where we have to talk about our relationships with our mothers, <laughs> oh, um, our relationships oh, no. with our siblings. How we resolve conflict yeah. is really the big, the, the yeah. big component. There's like it. 10 uh, pages of it that's just about your relationship with your significant other. Yeah. They're so trying you, to trick you into yeah. saying you'll use corporal punishment. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's very, you're very on the spot because you're supposed to, the idea is that you both fill it out separately and then the, your your support person looks at it and tells you what your strengths and your weaknesses are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's really just like, you and Jacqueline get in a fight over X. How do you resolve it? And it's like, well, she wins. <laughs> I, you know, at the same time, they're one, you know, that's basically what I did the first time through. Is I just, they, did, they didn't think that was very yeah, funny. So I, I had to redo several of them where she wins was not a... a that was like a nod. And our worker, bless her heart, was like, yeah, I, I get that that's probably what happens. <laughs> But the apartment's going to want to know a little bit more. So yeah. then we, you know, get so it's a super drive. stressful, complicated version of the newlywed game where you're Basically trying to match. Um, but we did eventually pass our home study and get licensed. And, um, with flying colors. With flying colors, yes. Um, but no. B minus. You know, and, and, you know, part of it included. I'm glad there's the standards. Like, yeah. I mean, D's for degrees, C's, C's for kids. C means for children. cleared for children. Um, but part of that included, like, you know, like, how we discipline our animals and, like, uh, our pets in our house and 
I'm um, sure because they want to know kind of how you react oh, to stress. Yeah. Right? You know, like yep. they want to know a lot about how you were raised and how you were disciplined. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it, a lot. Of, I mean, and a lot of it really was like, you know, we both kind of grew up in situations that maybe we didn't think were necessarily the most appropriate. And yeah. Then you, and then you, you're, you're in a situation where like, well, I'm not going to lie about it on this form. But yeah. You know, yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't know how they would ever find out. Right. But then you're just like, yeah, you know, I get mm-hmm. that what was appropriate discipline 30 years ago may yeah. not be appropriate well now. and you people also you know change and yeah. like make their own choices exactly. and like you, it feels yeah. a little it feels bad and to have to put that on a form representing yourself exactly, you know exactly <laughs> exactly and so like a big red flag for me individually that was talked about extensively with our support worker was that i have no extended family in the area mm. i moved to nebraska and my only support system is also justin's support system oh. um because it's his family that's really who i know in nebraska um and so all of my family lives states away mm-hmm. and so it was a big concern of like oh you don't have an individual support system and so that it's was a lot of questions leave, right? yes just, yes well, <laughs> leave, well, the, leave the kids in his care and we don't know about that. i think the concern maybe there more is even just like you know social isolation is a pretty common mm-hmm. tactic in domestic oh violent situations which is just is there anything that you can think of will raise red flags and then yeah. delay everything else I mean you're just constantly having to explain your whole life basically sure. like and maybe I don't call my mom every day because she makes me a crazy person and I have to tell that to this person yeah. who yeah. I don't know yeah. you know yeah fun I'll tell you it was the first I think it was the first time that we had sat down and realized like wow, like these things impact their view on how we can parent. Oh, yeah. And that's not something that if we had had a biological child that anyone would have ever checked into. Well, I was right? going to say, I was going to say to have my own parenting scrutinized to that degree would be You and Ross didn't have to go horrifying. that before you can see. Horrifying. <laughs> like, before um, they no. allowed you to go off birth control, <laughs> yeah. they were like, yeah. now wait, we have this 40-page questionnaire. <laughs> no, we did do uh, quite a bit of premarital counseling with our pastor before, mm-hmm. you know, where we did touch on that, but it wasn't like that. And when there's kids, about, you know, when you desperately want a kid to come obviously too, mm-hmm. and all that, all that stuff is, yeah, yeah. I, that would be really, really, it was, it was pretty charged at times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty charged. It, uh, uh, we'd tell the fakers though. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. And I think that that's part of the process too, is the yeah. process is the first step. If you can get through this, like, um, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, you won't be maybe as broken maybe later. And I honestly, and I do think it was easier for us just because we both work in the system that we had a really good idea about what information, you know, what, how to frame our answers to things. Totally. And just speaking with our, our caseworker, you know, our, our support worker about mm-hmm. it, she, she said that, yeah, a lot of times they have to work with people a lot to, to just to just get the thing through. Yeah. It's, it's kind of... It's a good. It's a good process. I'm glad that the state is diligent about checking that background information. But I do think I mean there is a need for people in it, and I, I, some at least during the process, I really felt like it was a lot of it was a little. It could feel daunting I to look at. Too, I think that you guys would probably be smart enough to know that, like where you talked about not lying about things. Yeah. That some people might think, well, I'm not going to say that mm-hmm. because they don't want to hear that. <laughs> And I think I think part of it with us too was just that um, a big adjustment for me personally was having strangers come in my home and judge it, yeah. um, inviting that, asking them to. Yeah, yeah. And, and <laughs> once you have children placed there, you have about a weekly visit, mm-hmm. um, whether it's from your support worker or from the department worker or from their guardian at litem or from their parents who might have visitation rights. Mm-hmm. Um, then you might need to facilitate that. So. We were also just having um, 
from the first day of training. Gosh, I hadn't thought about parental visitations. From the first day of training to even today, we just have like um, a lot more traffic in our home, which was hard for me because I... I share a lot with folks, but I'm very private about my own space. Yeah, um, my home too. is very mm-hmm. sacred to me, and I think that that was a big adjustment for me at first too. Like being okay with a dish being in the sink because like the kids aren't going to get taken away from me just because there's a dirty dish, or yeah. um, you know, like um, CJ falling down the stairs the first time <laughs> the caseworker came to our house after we had children placed yeah. with us. You know, um, things like that. I just was not prepared to deal with just having more people in oh, my yeah. house in a private well, it way. Takes, well, like, taking you can't notes. have that like bad day <laughs> where like on, you feel like you can't have that oh, bad day where no. like on, everything's terrible and you just went to bed at six o'clock. Yeah. Well, <laughs> on, on multiple occasions Jacqueline would like hide dirty dishes in the oven when Oh, oh fuck yeah. I mean God yeah. I would yeah, just like you can say that. don't people do that even without foster care? <laughs> it was like, like I was like your caseworker's coming today <laughs> Put the dogs outside and let's get these dirty dishes <laughs> hidden. I think there would be at least two or three times we started the oven and then smelled smoke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> two days later. Um, that's yeah. not, I mean, I, I just that's thought that was normal. I mean, we didn't do it a lot, but there was more than one time at, growing up where we were like, put them in there. Like, that's it. Yeah. It was, it was always a rush to get the dogs outside and get the dirty dishes yeah. away. They shouldn't hey. make stoves that big to hold dishes I'm if that's not you. what it's made I can for. Fit a lot of and dishes. you should just know to check the stove. Like, how dare you pre-heat the oven without checking it? Yeah. Kids I, have learned. And I, a lot of it's very wink-wink, you know, like... Uh-huh. like it's incredible um, kind of the things that they are looking for. Like, they, I, I was just prepared, like, okay, we're getting teenagers. That's that's what we kind of did. Mm-hmm. I was kind of prepared for them being like, okay, you have to lock up all of the alcohol. Of, right. No, they don't care about any of that. Like, <laughs> like we, you know... That they don't care about that. What they want, they, they want your Tylenol locked up. They want like yeah. they want cleaning they, supplies. Cleaning supplies oh locked up, mm-hmm. but not uh, alcohol. Yeah. No, Mm-mm. literally locked. Yes, yeah. literally locked. Wow. So I, I mean, um, so like rubbing alcohol locked away. Yes. Grain alcohol. Yeah. Right. Cool. Vodka, you can have it out on the yeah. table. She's, she's got a nice little buffet with like mm-hmm. a wine rack in it. And yeah. There's you know like. Mm-hmm. The kids apparently haven't got into it, or if they have, they're... If they have, they've bamboozled us, and it's whatever. <laughs> it's like, but... Injecting it back yeah. in, like, with the Yeah. <laughs> it's really just grape juice. Yeah. Um, so, as part of the training, you also get to, um, once you pass your home study, kind of your final training session and stuff, um, is where you get to make all these elections about the types of children you're willing to take. Uh, yeah, I've heard about this form. <laughs> and the ages of children you're willing so to take. So that's where you find out who you are. Yes. Yeah. So um, it starts like right off the bat with our what ethnicities of child are you willing to uh, take? Uh-huh. What religions of children are you willing to take? And then uh. it talks about, then there's like 10 pages of behaviors that you're willing to accept. Uh. Um, they've previously perped on an animal. Are you willing to accept a child who's uh-huh. done that? They've been, um, yes, um, they've murdered animals. Are you willing to accept Ooh. a child who has done that? Uh-huh. Um, and it's that detailed. And it's yeah. several, several pages of that that you have to basically <laughs> initial next to it if you would take a child with those specific behaviors. Wow. Um, wow. So that was a, like the next like true test of us. Yeah. Like, oh, geez. It's really, it's, yeah. it's really a very heavy process. And obviously we understand very serious and um, we're glad that it was. I know that we were we were kind of um, obviously taken aback by the racial component a yeah. lot. I'm surprised um, that they would allow someone to say, 
no to a race. You know oh, what I mean? It doesn't su- I think I was at first surprised, but then once we got through the process, I was not surprised mm-hmm. in the sense that, um, you know, if a child of color is removed from a home in Nebraska, um, the ability of probably finding a matching family of color is going to be very, very low. Well, um, and I guess it would it would have a, a lot of other components that you have yeah. to. So do we, would we want to put this child into a family to subject them to potentially more trauma if that family is not comfortable with a child of color? Right. I get that. I just, um, Yeah. I know that's a big so thing hard. in adoption, yeah. too, when yes. you, adoption forms do that same, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. That same checklist. Yes. I had a, I mean, not the same, but I, I don't know if I've told, I took the train, I've taken the train to Denver a few times, <laughs> and every time I've ever been able, I've always been able to sit by myself, which is great, because it's 2 a.m., you don't really want to sit by someone ever anyways, <laughs> but for sure at 2 a.m. on a dark train, yeah. like, cool, I'll, take, I'll sit here by myself, <laughs> thanks. Yeah. The last time I got on one, I think it was in Holdridge. It was like nightmare scenario. Every race and gender you can think of is sitting there, and there's not any open one. So I have to choose the person. So then you look like a racist. I stand there and like, who am I? Like, what kind of racist? So I literally took the first seat, which is sorry, I might be racist because it was a little old white lady. But I mean, it was literally I was standing right here, like. White face, like who am I? Like you, there's like I can feel the blood in my feet because I'm like it's gone. Am I I a terrible person? First seat, and I took literally there was one that was like straight in front of me, and I'm like this one. Like I couldn't, I couldn't make the call. We we definitely were fine with any religion or race. That wasn't a a limiting factor for us. some limiting factors that we weren't able to accept and that we did from the get-go say that we couldn't have was um, a child who was developmentally disabled in the sense that they would need walking aids or wheelchair. Just yeah. more than you would um, need. Our home to. is just not well, accessible. Well, apparently stairs are dangerous. Yeah. We have dangerous stairs um, <laughs> as well as we have stairs to enter our home from every door. Yeah. Um, so there would just absolutely not be a way that we yeah. could we yeah. could reasonably accommodate a child that needed that. Plus... Um, you know, we do, the reality of it is that we live in a very small town, and yeah. we also um, kept that in mind with regard to the school facilities that could be offered to a child that might need a little bit more at school. Yeah. Um, so we kept that in mind with regard to that. Well, and I think being open to teenagers and everything, I mean, you don't have to fill every <laughs> void. You know, yeah. there are probably some exactly. people that think, <laughs> yeah. I have this ability, I should be helping yes. disabled children, yeah. so maybe, and then maybe yeah. those people are like... I'm not going to do teenagers, but a five-year-old that can't walk, yes, sign me up. I want it. Yeah, and and that was our thing, was that we knew that given our jobs and the requirements of them and the fact that the one daycare in Alma has a waiting list, we needed children that were of age that could potentially walk home from school on their own and take care of themselves for a few hours a day. Um, And that was an important factor in also considering the the choices we had um, with regard to preference. Well, you know, it seems like, and we, we've been told throughout this, that most people try to avoid teenagers for a lot of slow different reasons. And, <laughs> I can think of a few now that I've had them. And, and there's definitely that component, but looking back for just given the ebb and flow of our lives, I don't think that it would have worked any other way. Yeah. yeah. Also, the they give you kind of a list of like, so if you're potentially interested in taking zero to four years old, um, these are the things you need oh, to have yeah. on hand. Oh. And so that list, I looked at that list alone and Teenagers I said... Teenagers is the smallest list, yeah. I'm sure. Oh, oh God, yes. You already have. Yeah, like, I don't need to buy <laughs> special... Shampoo and conditioner. I don't need Got to it. buy special sized forks. Yeah. Oh, Like, yeah. like yeah. things if you don't have young children, oh, you don't think of, you would need if you were going to invite young children to your home. Like, 
like smaller like, glasses. What? Tell, no, I'm not getting all new kitchen utensils. You're telling me I need a bouncer and yeah. and a walker, car, a car carrier, and yeah. all, all yeah. that stuff just yeah. in case you have a kid that yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. Well, so you not only have to have everything for mm-hmm. zero to four, mm-hmm. you have to store it all. Yes. No. Well, and my <laughs> thought is too. Think about like there's so many safe sleep guidelines for little little babies yes. and things. Think about your home care worker looking at that sleep surface every day. Uh-huh. I'm like. Yeah. That seems really terrifying. Like, yes. There's so much like sleep stuff that people are really intense about. So you the know, list like, alone yeah. made me go, okay, we can roll out yeah. zero to fives, right? And we both happily went, yep, we put that no. away. Yeah. Um, you know, and so we, we did say we would accept um, children as young as five, so long, if they were a part of a sibling set with an older sibling. Oh, but okay. other than that, we were pretty much fifth, sixth grade up only. And that was kind of our... our ask from day one yeah. and it and, and they they honored that because i think that there are a few people that actually right they they were happy check to that have. box yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, they're like great thank you so how did you let them know you were open to siblings is that is that a whole other is that a check mark area? it's a check mark yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then is there a number up to x amount um, so of your children? home by square foot <laughs> is actually only licensed up to a number a certain uh, number yeah. And of course, the foster care support workers try to maximize yeah. that number to you. Your agency gets paid more money the more kids that we take. And so she was trying to say, "Well, you have an X square foot home. You can yeah. you can be licensed for up to seven children." Yeah. And I said, "Oh my God. Uh, Excuse me." That is incorrect. She was like, "Each of your downstairs bedrooms have so many square feet, so they can hold." She was basically saying, "I can put three in each of those bedrooms," and I was like. Excuse me? Like, we're not just going to stack children up. Like, I don't understand. I'm not going like to buy two... assembly line. I'm not going to buy two triple-decker bunk beds. I'm just not going to do that. Like, and so my rule... My, I tell everyone this joke because, like, my rule was I'm only going to take as much children that can fit in one of our vehicles. Yeah. We need to be able oh. to travel together as a family yeah. without having to take two cars everywhere. I said, yeah. that's just my hard and fast rule. Uh-huh. And so our family support worker who we grew really close with, um, she actually sent me a, a Craigslist ad for an 18-passenger van um, <laughs> shortly thereafter and said, wink, wink, I've solved that problem. And I kindly told her where she could put that 18-passenger van. Throughout, you know, once, once you have kids placed, if you're not, if you're... If you're approved rating for how many kids that you're approved, they will pressure you to take more yeah. kids yeah. the whole time. And it's just all about money, ultimately. But and so how essentially <laughs> that works is, is you just get a phone call. And they oh. say, hi, Jacqueline, this is Sandra with TFI. And we're calling to tell you about a placement potential placement for a 14-year-old girl. Would you like to hear more? And then and you, have you to go, go no? Yes. Oh. Because you know the more you learn about it, the yes. harder it's going to yeah. be. So at that point, oh. if, if I know that I'm full up in my house and I know that I just couldn't take on a 14-year-old girl right now, I say, nope, no, thank you. Please call others. And the conversation ends. They don't pressure you after that. But you still have to say no. <laughs> but, you know, if I say, okay, well, we could maybe well, squeeze in a 14-year-old girl. Let, let me hear more. Yeah. And then she says, well, she's cut off two ankle monitors. She has a propensity to run. Or, yeah. you know, they then tell you kind of, worst case scenario mm-hmm. um legally and- they're obligated to tell you certain things mm-hmm. just like you know what they're you know if they have any sexual abuse history they have to tell you that if they if they have any um history of violence against people or animals they have to tell you that if they have a history of running they have to tell you that mm-hmm. they um, also have to tell you about developmental disabilities yeah. um, um but it's very common that at the, if a child is just just freshly removed, they won't know that information. Yeah. Um, so it, it, sometimes that 
those people who are calling you are also shooting from the hip. Yeah. So the whole intake process is is kind of, it is very interesting, and um, you know I know that our worker, bless her heart, um, they were getting. So how it works is if there's a, if, if there's a kid that's in the system that for whatever reason their placement's about to disrupt, um, all of the agencies in the state basically become aware that AHS is looking for a new placement for this person. Here's this child's, you know, here's this child's situation. They go out on an APY yeah, yeah, essentially. essentially. Yeah. yeah. And there was one girl in particular who they just couldn't place this girl for the longest time. And, uh, and basically the state pays a rate per day um, for the child based off of the child's kind of personal situation and circumstances, any behaviors, um, any needs. Medical needs. Mm-hmm. And um, it got to the point where after a while we got a call from our agency and they're just like basically paying three times the state's rate oh, for wow. to take this girl and you know obviously you don't get into foster care about the money but I remember at one point we had to look at each other and be like eh. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that doesn't look great on us but she had been talking to us about taking this young lady she was nine years old so yeah. it was already for yeah. us we were like nope especially because we already had a house full of teenage mm-hmm. boys um yeah. But uh, so maybe a nine-year-old isn't what you yeah, yeah, it wasn't there, really yeah. what we wanted to throw into the mix. But but our foster care worker had been her this this little girl's actual support worker, so she really was vested in um, finding a good place for her to go. And um, that was truly the yeah. only time I felt very pressured. Uh, yeah. Was she was just like, we think you would work for uh, her, and we just had to say no. Yeah. Uh, it just our own boys that had been there for a little while um, just were, were going through in? too much and were just settling oh, yeah. in that we couldn't we couldn't disrupt well you're still actively yeah. parenting children I mean yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that would be hard I have a friend that fosters dogs uh-huh. which now seems like <laughs> she has 11 dogs it's nothing yeah you know but you can have seven kids she, triple she triple kind of has to say like she will say like this is it like yeah. after this I'm going on a break don't ask me to take any more dogs and then they'll text her there's times where I'm like Change your contact information yeah. to my phone. They will text me pictures of dogs and I'll send back no. But that's what they do. They send yes. pictures of this like sad Sarah McLaughlin commercial dog. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and she's like, I have 17 dogs in my house. <laughs> like the the office is just dog crap. But yes, bring it over. Yeah. You know? I'm, I am glad that they don't send out pictures because uh, that would probably oh make God. it a whole nother level yeah. of. How could of, you? Yeah. yeah. But yeah. still, it would haunt hard. me to see that oh, kid yeah. over and over again. See, I, I, on her, I always think like, you know, I'm dead inside. So I'm always like, no, tell them no. <laughs> you just got done with a litter of puppies. You no. just raises extra <laughs> litters of puppies. Like, you're. I don't know what's wrong with you. We have a six-month-old puppy right now, and would you like seven? No, because they would like they would bring them out to you every three weeks. We're full up. The inn is so, but yeah, they do. They they just they just send the pictures. Three teenagers is not one puppy. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. honestly, the teenagers are easier than Frida. Our puppies. they're potty trained. Exactly, so the potty training. Nice. I don't. I don't have to physically walk them six miles a day to make them tired. So it's good. It's good. So what was the first call like? You took your boys' yeah. first call. Like what? Um, so how did actually, it happen? We were driving back from um, Colorado. Colorado. We had gone with the Carney Whitewater Association. Can I, how long had you been approved at this point? A week. So were you like every time the phone oh, rang? Wow. Were you like, is this the call? We got approved September 21st, 2017. We got our license that day. 
and we were in Colorado. It was the first weekend of October. Yeah. And uh, I mean, did you just kind of hold your breath every time the phone rang? Like, yeah. Oh, definitely. We, we did definitely. Get, we did get a couple calls about other kids that, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, they weren't really ready to place yet. Yeah. Which I think worked out well because they kind of said like we're looking for a new placement. Would you be interested in potentially doing that? And we were like, well, we're going to this trip in Colorado for the you know extended weekend. Um, so if you're looking for a if you have a time. For those kids for transitioning, we probably wouldn't be the best because we're not going to be around to meet them and do any sort of perspective. You guys thought you were doing short-term stuff at this point, too. Definitely. And at this point, we were still short-termers. Yeah. Like, within 24 hours, we got at least one call. Yes, we had received our first call. Wow, from getting your license? Yeah. Yeah. Like, as soon as those beds open up, the state will fill them. Yes. Wow. Um, Especially rural rural areas, I think, because... um, there's just so many, so fewer foster homes in the right. rural areas that, you know, us and Alma could take and would take and they would consider placing kids from, you know, a wide area yeah. with yeah. us. Whereas, you know, if you have a foster child that comes up and needs a placement in Lincoln, they have a few more options. They're going to try to keep them in Lincoln. Yeah, yeah. Basically, you know, they, they try to keep kids close enough to their families so they can facilitate visits and that type of thing. Yeah. Obviously, you'd love to keep them in the same, same school. school district if you can. Mm-hmm. But short of that, they, they they want you within about an hour, hour and a half so that visits can happen. Yeah. But the first call that we took that we agreed to pursue um, was CJ and Andy. Um, they're still with us, by the way. Um, <laughs> but uh, we were heading back from Colorado, and basically we were driving home. And they called, and uh, I think I even said, like, should I even answer it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, we did. And um, uh, the next, what they said was essentially that these were two teenage boys, brother set, that needed a, um, a foster home. They had been in a familial placement since they had been removed. Um, but that just wasn't going to work out um, for these kids, and so they needed a place to stay until they could figure out permanency. Um, so we said, okay. And they said, well, they, they, you know, they're, they're local to you. So you could go maybe take them out for dinner in the next couple of days to meet them, to see if for both sides, if it would be a good fit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that seems really awkward, but sure. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't like an urgent removal situation. No, it, it wasn't was an urgent like- removal situation. They had already been removed from their parents' care and were placed with a family member. It's just with the family member, they... They just didn't have room. They just didn't have room. They were essentially sleeping on couches. Um, They just didn't have the space for them, and and they had started back to school at this point, and it just wasn't really working out. Mm -hmm. Um, And and the family member, they... I mean, they were very sad about it. It was just something that they just couldn't do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we took the boys out to dinner. (laughs) Um, It was like a date, a bad date. Like a first date, like, should we move in together? Well, we had to go pick them up, too, so we had to pick them up awkwardly from this familiar placement. Um, And Strangers in your car, too, is also like, yeah. Yeah. Well, it it, it really is, like, both sides. I mean, I I, I look back now and knowing, you know, we've been with each other now for over two years. You're looking back and it's like, both, both they were trying to sell it and we were all yeah. trying to sell yeah. it. Aww. Yeah, and I think maybe what one like of the, one of the yeah, yeah, one of the biggest things I remember from our dinner with the boys that night was that um, when they had been told our names, they Googled us. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it is a day. Yeah. Yes. And or at least the older one had Googled yeah. us. And um, and it was cute to 
I remember being flattered and it was just cute that they had done that and them telling us about what they found. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that they were excited about it. And, um, and honestly, those two have never been better behaved than the hour that we <laughs> <laughs> it all went downhill from there. So hard. I've never, I've never talked to him about it, but I know that if I ever called CJ up, I he would probably just basically admit, yeah, I told Andy that he had to be on his best behavior. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. And they were how old at that? They time? were um, sixteen and thirteen. Sixteen and thirteen. Yeah. Sixteen and thirteen, and it was going to be a big deal for them at this point to move schools. Um, so actually we were asked if we would take them, if we would continue to drive them to Holdridge to school. Oh, and oh, we said, Alma. we said no. Yeah. Um, but they decided that the placement, um, the boys were amenable to the placement, even if they had to switch schools. Yeah. So we did it yeah. and they moved in two days later Wow. and they're still there. CJ's at college. CJ's at college now, but um, we still have guardianship over him and Andy. Um, so that was our first placement. Yep. And our first failed foster, if you will. Um, <laughs> use the dog term and the foster fail in the sense that um, they, they did not end up reunifying. Yeah. Um, but we agreed to be a permanent home for them. And so we have what's considered long-term guardianship. Um, that's an option that the state has for older children that come into care that it may not be worth it for the state to go through a full termination trial of their mm, parental rights, sure. or it may just not be appropriate. Like in our boy's case, their mom um, was in prison, and they still had a good relationship with her and were still close with her. She just wasn't able to physically parent them from prison. Yeah. Um, so long-term guardianship really worked out for their whole scenario because we were willing and because um, both of their parents actually agreed to it as well. Yeah. So do they call you... Your names? Yes. Yeah. All okay. of our boys call us Justin and Jacqueline. Okay. Yeah. 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 And and you know the the thing about a guardianship, especially for older teens, is, um, and I tell people this in my professional capacity all the time, is that those kids know who their parents are. Yeah. And you know, and we, I think, especially um, uh, with CJ and Andy, we worked pretty hard, and we still continue to work hard to make sure that they have that relationship with their mother. Yeah. Um, you know, we 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 took them to visits at the prison several times uh, and that weren't court ordered uh, the yeah. court had basically said you know we can't work a case plan with her because of the longevity of her sentence um so whatever you guys decide to facilitate between mom and the boys is up up to you guys mm. so we tried <laughs> we did we took them to, to prison for visits as often as we could um and i think that that was good Good for the boys. I think that maintaining their relationship with their mom was very important for them to heal and for them to, um, yeah, just know that there were more people in their lives that cared about them, even if they had made some bad decisions. Well, and I would think there would be a big value to them seeing that you respect that component yeah. of their yeah. life, that you're not coming in and, especially at that age, I can't <laughs> imagine coming in and being like, I'm your mom, yeah. call me right. mommy, no. you know, like. I just can't, <laughs> I know what, what my nephews are like, and, yeah. you know, like, I am just there yet, and mm-hmm. I'm not trying, you know, and if mm-hmm. I, if, if they want to be affectionate with me, they can, but it has to be on their terms, yeah. and I've known them since birth, yeah. so I don't, that would be, I think, the scariest part for me is, mm-hmm. I've seen teenage boys, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I have three um... nephews that are in that window, and they, they love me, and I yes. still am like, mm-hmm. It would be tricky. That yeah, and that's, a, that was yeah. maybe the next um, big eye-opening thing for us was that probably for the first, I'm going to say months, months, 
<laughs> it was kind of like um, when I moved in with my college roommate yeah. at first. Because um, oh, right. at their ages, they're humans. They're yeah. they're they're impressionable teenagers, but they already have opinions. Yeah. And yeah. they have habits. And they have food preferences. Uh-huh. And they... They're um, like... It's, it really is. <laughs> I mean, I tell people this all the time. Foster care, especially for older kids, at least that's all we know. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first two months is just like having a roommate. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're, you are working to bond with them as much mm-hmm. as they're working to bond with you. And honestly, in a lot of ways, I think the kids are more willing to bond sooner than it really is for us as an adult. Like, yeah, sure. You have, like, you just... It's... it's and we we had never had kids before. Yeah. So you get to a situation where all of a sudden one day... When I come home from work, there's going to be somebody there. Yeah. And, like, and like, I think, I think right. maybe... Just like, you're just not, you, and you don't realize how much you value that alone time. Yeah. Yes. Like, yes. Yeah. And I think, yeah. I think maybe what was really hard for us um, to feel bonded at first, um, and, and when I could see where people struggle to make meaningful bonds with teenagers who are maybe placed with them, is that um, you're not doing a whole lot of actual caregiving for yeah. them yep. that would create quicker bonds. So sure. I'm not tucking them in and reading them a bedtime sure. story every night. I don't bathe you don't them. Do that, no. no, I don't bathe them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't pick out their clothes for them the next day. You know, I'm not. Sure. I'm not feeding them yeah. physically. Yeah. Um, I'm and and so those are things that create bonds very quickly with younger kids um, in care. With any caregiver, I think your kiddo, your regular mainstream biological kiddo, when they go to daycare, they quickly even form bonds with their teachers or instructors at daycare because they have to actively care for them. Oh, I have shit in my diaper. That woman is the one that will take care of that for me. (laughs) And you don't have that need um, with a teenager. And so I think the bonding is a little bit slower. Yeah. Is that to show that you're going to continually show yeah. up? Yeah. Them and and part of it, or... part of the bonding too, is also being a hard ass. Like part of the bonding for us was also setting boundaries and being clear right. about them and maintaining them consistently, which we weren't that great at at the yeah. beginning. It's so hard in the kind of the feeling out stage because um, when we got when we got our boys, you know, we were you know, there, there's always you know they say there's always a honeymoon period. Um, and I know that just from my professional experience that you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah. And our kids were pretty good from the get-go, and you're just waiting. And, of course, there are issues, and, you know, most kids in the, the system have been subjected to traumas and that type of thing. And so, you know, I, at least I, I don't know about Jacqueline, but I know I was like, okay, well, when, what, what are we going to be dealing with in a month? Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. And, and, and we've been lucky, you know, that we haven't had to deal with you know, we, we have great kids, and we haven't had to deal with a lot of the tough behaviors. Now, all of our kids, I, mean, I, th- I think that all of our kids have had dust-ups, you know. Um, with the police and otherwise. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> and, and a lot of, but they're all kind of age-appropriate stuff that you kind of come to expect. Yeah. Obviously, it's yeah. not, not it's not acceptable, and of course, mm-hmm. we, we, we let them know that what we think, and yep. we discipline them. And, and I think at the end of the day, um, they appreciate the consistency. I mean, more than anything else, that's with teens. They just need to see that we're showing up for them. We're we're going to be there every day, yeah. and there's going to be you know the lights are going to be on. There's going to be a roof over their head, and honestly, there will be some days now that you know a couple of years in where we'll say, "Hey, how was school today? Great, whatever." We'll eat, you know, we'll cook dinner. They'll they'll go off with their friends, and that's and we, it. We yeah. see them, we see them like twenty yeah. minutes a day. Somehow. Wait, you don't sit down and like. <laughs> 
play a family board game. We did. We did a lot of We actually played a lot of board games. But there came a time where it was natural that they had formed stronger bonds in our community with friends that were age appropriate they're teenagers yeah, like yeah. I don't they're want them hanging out they with should me. have been yeah. able to live exactly yeah. Yeah. we see exactly. Michael's girlfriend more than we see probably any of them <laughs> yeah yeah she talks to me more than they do most <laughs> of the time but um, yeah and you know they're teenagers too like they get huffy uh, for no good reason just because their hormones are raging through their bodies and they smell bad, and I mean, <laughs> there's just natural teenager <laughs> things. They yeah. smell so I mean, bad. Yeah. It's, I don't know what it is. I, <laughs> I can't ever tell if it's coming from their butts or their feet or their heads I or their mouths. I my sister's seventh grade CCD class a couple years oh, ago. Oh, God. That yeah. room smelled so bad. Oh, I, the so whole time crazy. I was sitting there, I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like why? No. There have been a couple loads of laundry that I've just went ahead and ran twice. <laughs> just, I'm just like, you know what? It smells so bad when I put them in there. We're going to run that again. Right. With hot um, water, even though you don't know oh, how it's going to come we out. We wash everything Who on cares? hot now. Yeah. We buy it a size bigger than it needs to be and just run it on hot because it needs to get clean. Yeah. Um, there, My house has been torn to shit. I mean, there have been, been some trials, guys. We, two, we currently have two doors that have holes punched in them. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, it's... it's, it's 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 not easy all the time, no. You know, but like, but, and we have good kids. Yeah. I mean, I, mean yeah. I think that you know you deal with you deal with the behaviors, you deal mm-hmm. with the attitudes, um, and then you enjoy the good times when you have them, and you yeah. you, you you live your life. Um, and and we we have to remind ourselves a lot, um, especially when they're either um, copping a toot or they're mm-hmm. getting in trouble at school or anything else. That um, all I mean, we doubt what we're doing we doubt ourselves a lot I think Jacqueline's really hard on herself um, mm-hmm. a lot and I think that that's just kind of a natural maternal thing yeah um, <laughs> seems right but, uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that feels right uh, the internal monologue is just going 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 but yeah. we have to remind ourselves that like what they really need is us just to be there right um, and then you know they're yeah. doing okay so we actually got um, we've actually only had the three boys so two I guess essential official placements um Michael um, is 18 now. He's a senior, but he came to live with us in August of 18. So he's been with us just over a year now. Um, And we actually got okey-doked into taking Michael. Um, It's been a blessing to our family, but we got uh, the big Texas two-step done to us by our county attorney. Um, So this wasn't actually our agency that called us to take Michael. Um, Michael had been in a long-term guardianship with someone else, and it was kind of falling apart um, due to the health of the guardian. Um, and the prosecutor on the case was our next door neighbor and our county attorney in Harlan <laughs> County. And I was in a divorce trial the day that he called. So I actually didn't answer his call when he called. I was in the middle of court. So, so they, they called Justin. Yeah, he called me. Uh, <laughs> and he was like, great, I'm getting, well, I'm getting out of here. So, so he, yeah, he calls me and, uh, you know, obviously this is somebody that I work with regularly. He's our neighbor. Yeah. Um, he calls me on my cell phone. I'm at work. I pick it up. I, he says, Hey, we really need to place this kid um, like today. Um, it's only going to be for a couple of weeks. We have a hearing scheduled for a couple of weeks. We just need somewhere for where for him to go in the meantime. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, I can't answer that question because if I tell you no, Jacqueline's going to be angry. If yeah. I tell you yes, Jacqueline's going to be angry, but you have to talk to Jacqueline. Yeah. He says, okay, I'll call her. 
Um, so he calls her. So he calls me. Well, I call him back. Well, yeah. he texts me and says, please call me whenever you can. It's urgent. So I call him back when my trial concludes that day. It was like four o'clock. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, Brian, what's up? What's going on? Like, I thought our house was on fire. I didn't know at this point. Like, yeah. what could Brian be saying? Urgent. Is urgent. Uh, urgent. <laughs> and he goes, Where's that work I've already talked to Justin about this. <laughs> um, but we need you to take a placement. It's short term. Just until his next hearing, which is the day after school starts. We don't even want him to start school with you. We just need a little break for them. And I was like, okay, that's respite. You've already talked to Justin. He okayed it. Cool. <laughs> Let's do this. Yeah, then I get home and Justin's like, I didn't okay this. Yeah. He, told, he told her I said yes. Uh-huh. Which I definitely, definitely did not say it. I mean, anyway, I didn't say no. I anyway, I got home by about 445 and the caseworker from actual department said that she would be there at 5.30 with Michael. <laughs> yeah. So I then had 45 minutes to undo my trial gear, him to get home, um, to tell our other placements, to tell CJ and Andy that, hey, you're about hey, to be getting a brother. You got a brother. <laughs> <laughs> and he's coming Usually in 30 you have minutes. a little more time for <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, well, was he local too? Did they already know him? They did not know him. Um, he was he had been living in Franklin. Uh, his case was out of Kearney County, though, so he had grown up in Minden for most of his life. But they were not familiar with each other, um, and he wedged right in between the brothers we had. So uh, Michael's a senior this year, and he's a, a sophomore. Um, so, yeah, we um, <laughs> took him in for the two weeks, and we went to the hearing, um, and they essentially said, oh, he's not going back. <laughs> and now you're like, Oh. Yeah, they were like, go ahead huh. and get them started in Alma schools, and uh, we'll figure out what we need to do uh, for a long term. And I was like, well, damn yeah. it. Well, <laughs> we're not going to start him in Alma schools for you to then move him. Oh, yeah. It's like, what so, the hell? So the same- then, oh, and then I found a letter he had written. Aww. Like, he had tried to like put it in the trash, but I found it in the downstairs, like, living room trash. And it was like a letter he'd written that he had writ- was going to give to us in anticipation of him leaving about how... Yeah comfortable he had been for two weeks and how he felt so welcomed and how, oh, how happy he was and he had andy lobbying pretty hard about yeah. that, oh. not sending him away and yeah. so he, he was a good fit yeah he was the, yeah i'm so sorry. No, no, sorry he he fit in with our boys fine you know they i wouldn't say that they're not alike um yeah. they have definitely different interests um and they're very very different kids but he fit in with them really well. They kind of bonded and kind of game recognized game yeah. in, in them, and and it was comfortable. Yeah, yeah. and we, we 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 with both sets of kids, or I guess with CJ and Andy, and then later with Michael, there were times where um, because when we got CJ and Andy, um, we were supposed to be doing short term respite, and so our our support worker trying to fulfill her duty of finding a permanent placement for these kids. Oh yeah found the place in Grand Island that was open to taking them. And so they wanted to set up a meeting with these people like we had done before. Where mm-hmm. we, would, we would basically drive into Grand Island and they'd have a meeting. And Jacqueline and I, we were about, what, three or four weeks in at this point? Yeah, they'd probably been there right at a month. And so they, they were just starting to get settled in. Oh, yeah. and, and we basically had to look at ourselves and be like, this is going fine. And the only reason that these kids would be leaving is because we're we're basically selfishly not willing to keep them. Yeah. Um, and so we we just were like, no, we're not taking them to Great Island. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like we, then we just basically had to call and say, we'll keep them. Yeah. And the same thing kind of happened. But we talked life. to them about it. Yeah. We did. We talked to them about it. And we were like, hey, um, you know, from the get-go, we've told you and your workers have told you you're not going to be here permanently. Um, so we have a potential family for you to visit this weekend in Grand Island, you know, 
do you want us to take you or would you like for us to commit to keeping you longer? And they both were like, we just want to stay. Yeah. Yeah. Like there wasn't a hesitation. There wasn't a, is that an option? Please. (laughs) And so we were like, oh, geez. Uh, Yeah. They're not going anywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) uh, And so so we ran into kind of the same deal with Michael where when the the two, but you know, by this point we're a lot more experienced, I guess, in how the system works. When the two weeks came up, we knew we knew yeah. realistically yeah. he wasn't going anywhere. We had a birthday party for him, I think, right before. Yeah, he had been there. He had been there six days when it was his seventeenth birthday. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so yeah. we we basically decided, I think, on that trip that <laughs> yeah. that he. He was going to stay, and yeah. he's still with us. Part of the gang. Yeah. So how does it work once so they, you have one that is 18? We have two that are 18. Two yeah. that are 18. Mm-hmm. So you are still their guardian. We are. The age of majority in Nebraska is 19. Okay. So we are actually completely wholly responsible for them until their 19th birthday. So what happens at 19? Um, they are considered to be aged out of the system. You've probably heard that term before. What that means practically um, with our duties is that we would no longer receive a stipend for them and we would no longer have any purview or say about the choices they make, where they live, what they do. They become an adult. But you really don't. Anyway, like when I turned 19, my parents couldn't really say where I lived. Exactly. Right. I mean, for practical purposes. I mean... Legally speaking, if we, we really would have to get into technicalities, we could be like, "Yeah, you can't, you can't live there, you can't go to school there until he's until, until he's nineteen. 19. Okay. But I mean, just I don't think any court in the world would be like, "Come on, what are we doing here?" I yeah. mean, realistically, <laughs> but the law says that we're we're obligated to care for him and make sure that he has a place to live and, and food until he's nineteen. Um, yeah. But he's at, like nineteen. So CJ's at college right now and he you know he lives in a dorm and we see him you know we've seen him a couple times since he's gone to school this fall. So. Mm-hmm. Um and so essentially once they turn nineteen, um I guess the the flow of obligation to changes, there is none. It it ceases. So we have no obligation to them and they have no obligation to us. Um so like, you know He's an adult. He can make his and, own decisions. And, and they weren't adopted. We did not yeah. adopt them. So they, like, legally speaking, we wouldn't have any, you know, like, if they were to die without a will, we wouldn't have any right to deal yeah. with their stuff or anything like that. Yeah. Like a like an actual biological parent or, or adoptive parent would. die, wouldn't. they don't have any Exactly. Right. Exactly. But, right. I mean, how do you anticipate? Like, do you think it would be, do you think you'll continue the same level of relationship like how do you think that i think we have we have so far with cj um and i think part of that is because we still give him money um <laughs> that's why he comes back um uh you know he it was cute we go we okay, go on I bet a, you didn't think about sending kids to college no, not really no um like you know he called me uh the end of september when he realized his math textbook was the wrong one and you know we were two months into the school year and so you know i had to drop the 400 bucks to get him the textbook that was right oh, yeah, immediately and after we already after we'd already one. bought the first mm-hmm. one but yeah. but you know it's those little Kids, mishaps yeah. that yeah, you think like a young adult for. yes yeah. the things that a young adult still needs some help navigating yeah. um and we're happy to do that and just because our legal obligation to them ends at 19 i don't think that we believe that that that'll change that we don't care about them anymore we that's not going to happen we say that they're driving the bus as far as what our relationship yeah. is going to be like if they want to have a relationship with us in 40 years <laughs> we would love to have that if they decide that you know for whatever reason they don't want that relationship then that's okay too and and i and i respect that decision of them yeah. as adults um you know with 
CJ, it was we had a cute moment when we were moving him into his dorm room. We go on a cruise at Christmas time every year. Um, and the boys went with us last year, the whole the whole gang. And actually, Michael had been placed with us after we bought our tickets. So I had to call the cruise line and be like, hi, we're foster parents and we got another placement. We need to make sure he has a ticket. Can you please make this happen? And like, they were basically like, there are no more tickets. Yeah. And I was like, someone will cancel. Book me. Find a place for this child. Um, so anyway, that happened last year for the cruise. But anyway, CJ. Sack of bunk beds. Yes, yes. That's essentially what they did. I have one in my basement. Yeah. Let me, we'll bring it with. Oh, I just bring our bunk bed. 15 more kids in that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so we had a cute moment when we moved him in. I guess it hit CJ like, oh, I'm not like going to actually come home to stay until Christmas break. And he was like, so wait, like, do I get to go with you guys on the cruise? <laughs> and we were like, uh, yes, we've already bought you a ticket. Like, of course you're coming with us. And I wanted to, like, I looked at Justin for a moment and was like, I want to tell him no. Be like, no. Like, not, you don't live with us anymore. You're not part of our family. You don't need to go on family vacations. Sorry. Yeah. Here's the information. You can call the travel. But it was, I mean, it was just the most innocent. The, the, his face was just the most innocent. Like, wait, like it just hit him. Like, am I even going to get to go on the cruise with you guys in December? Um, yeah. Yeah, so I couldn't even joke then. I was like, yes, honey, yes. We already have your ticket. Like, it's, you get to come. Um, yeah. So I have a boring question probably for most people. How does health insurance work? Um, if you're a state ward, you get Medicaid. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, but when they're 18 or 19, then they're just on their um, So if you're, uh, Nebraska has some programs for children who age out of care who are considered to have been former foster youth. Um, so if they've, in, there's some parameters, but if they've entered into foster care after a certain age, and they didn't get adopted. Yeah. Um, so if they were reunited or if they went into guardianship or if whatever, um, they have some certain programs that extend Medicaid coverage for them up until the age of 26. Okay, as I say, because that seems especially yeah. unfair yeah. because, yeah. The, uh, you know, so these because other kids essentially, have another advantage. Because essentially, yeah. um, they're not adopted by us, so like my insurance right, policy so wouldn't cover them on even no. if you wanted to. Right, exactly. So there, yeah. There's a program, basically, the program is called Bridge to Independence. And so if you come into a guardian, a permanent placement, or if you remain in foster care mm-hmm. when you age out, or if you come into a guardianship at 16 or later. Yeah, after the age um, of 16. Then you can qualify for Medicaid, and the state provides you for three years, will provide you basically a stipend to live on. And they get um, to be considered um, completely independent for the purposes of financial aid for college. Oh, um, so our income doesn't negatively affect their ability to qualify right, for college yeah. if they're a part of this Bridges to Independence program. Yeah. Um, so that was very good and very integral for, you know, has been for CJ. So I know it will Pell be Grants for Michael so yeah. that they can qualify for Pell Grants and assist, a lot of assistance for college that our incomes would otherwise preclude yeah, them from they, being able to. I graduated yeah. late, so I went to UNL originally, and so I could get, like, nothing. Yeah. Like, I got the yeah. worst interest rates, unsubsidized yeah. loans. <laughs> like, yeah. And we're not going to give you that much, mm-hmm. and it's going to be high, you know. And then I went back in my 20s and finished my degree, and they were like, throwing money yeah. at me. Yeah. You know? yeah. They're like, how are you living? Here's uh-huh. more. Yeah. You're so poor. Let us help you. And that's that's what's really great about for the for the kids because the first like FAFSA form that CJ brought home last year, he was like, how much do you guys make? This isn't going to be good for me, is it? And we're like, let us talk to your guidance counselor because I don't think you have to declare our income no, and thank right. God he didn't. Yeah. yeah. Um, because we still have substantial amounts of student loans. I'd rather not be taking on any for our kids at this point. Right. Well, and that's um, just a, lo- a, a lot. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, like, I'm 31, so CJ's all of 13 years younger than me. And, uh-huh. yeah. you know, you just aren't as 
we just aren't as ready yeah. as I think a Perfect. natural right, biological right. parent might be in our situation. Well, reason you have 18 years to, years yeah. to save a little bit of money to send a kid to college. You know, right. we. Uh, hey, we just got out of school like six years ago. Yeah, so. yeah. So we're oh, yeah. we're still piecing it together. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. do you anticipate? So your youngest now is like 15, 15 16, mm-hmm. 15? 15. So um, as they continue to age out, will you continue to do it, or do you think? We actually just let our license lapse. Okay. Um, we are, because we've made long-term commitments to right. these three boys, we felt like um, for their stability and also because what, of what we want, yeah. um, that we are satisfied. Yeah. I, I don't mean it. That seems like a, such a selfish viewpoint on it, but satisfied. No, it no I think um, that makes so no. much sense. Yeah. Because I think it would kind of take away from their... Yeah. Like, they right. can't come home for a weekend. They don't mm-hmm. have a... If a you give away their right bedroom... Now. Right. Yeah. It'd be like if I went to college and my mom was like, yeah. turned it into a gym, mm-hmm. but also there was no... You know, like... Uh, there's no bed there anymore. Right. Right, because essentially another child would be in their bed. So, um, and, and the thing is, even when your responsibility ends, you got him to college. You yeah. want him to get through college. Exactly. Like, you like, like, and and I tell them all the time, like, that. when you have babies in 12 years, yeah. because none of you are having them before 12 years from yeah. now... I want you to bring me your baby. Yeah. Like, I right. want to be, We you have know, three kids. I mean, they're, yeah. I mean, yeah. they're, they're not, you know. At the end of the day, legally, they aren't ours. Yeah. I mean, we're responsible for them, but they aren't ours legally or biologically. But, like. But they fill that place in. But, like, your, for, yeah. for the I last two like years. I feel like they think that our home is their home. Yeah. And I want them to feel that way. Yeah. And, and so, and, and not that necessarily if we went and got other kids that they wouldn't still feel that way. But I, I think that we want to make sure that, um that they're comfortable coming home uh-huh. and that we we have enough of ourselves to give to them even you know through their young adult years because we know that it doesn't end the day that they turn 19. Yeah. Yeah. At least it didn't end for me. My parents were helping me out. Yeah. And it also, got a lot uglier. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the first 18 years might have been the easy. Yeah. <laughs> 22 to 25 is where I got real hair. And can you imagine if you didn't have that? No. If, you know, like yeah. how no. far... Even if your parents didn't help you out a lot financially... fall? Even if your times. parents didn't help you out a lot oh, financially yeah, no, during that yeah. time, you had their home to come back to for safety. You Absolutely. had them to call. Right. To, like, just help you process things. Yeah. And I think that our boys, because of some of the traumas they've endured might need that even more than yeah. I did. Or well, I'm sure there'll be yeah. stuff that comes comes to it oh, later. Well, and like, like and, yeah. CJ and Andy are pretty lucky. They've had some extended family members that have stayed pretty um, constant in their lives, as well as their mom. Um, you know, she's now on parole, and so she's out, and um, they still have maintained a relationship with her, and we hope to continue that. Um, and they have extended family that have stayed part of their lives. Michael, on the other hand, has... Um, we realized... You know, once he, his year anniversary with us came up, we, we sat down and we went, wow, there's not one person in our child's life that was here one year ago. There's wow. not one same person. Yeah. There's not a... Not a there's friend. Not, not a friend. A, not, not a caseworker. Not a... Time. He had move different caseworkers. Move schools. Oh. Move caseworkers. Did does not have one extended family member that keeps in contact with him. Wow. Um, so we, when we looked at that, we thought, you know, wow, we, we've had a special unique experience with CJ and Andy but Michael's is actually the same and completely different all at the same time oh yeah so, so right we, now you're his longest relationship yeah yeah. he's yeah. had us and his lawyer essentially are the only and other boys that are in our boys yeah. yeah and so for him especially we are really unsure of what the future is going to hold um, so we just we want to be prepared to be there fully for them because we feel like even if our legal obligation ends at 19 like um, we want to be available yeah we're going to go on cruises for years and years. 
They're going to start paying for their stuff. Hey, guys, this is Darcy. Um, so we actually had a little technical difficulty here, and we lost the last part of Jackie and Justin's interview. Um, obviously, we have a nice long interview here to work with, but uh, we did lose some really good stuff that hopefully we'll be able to share with you someday in the future. Um, but please bear with us. This is our first true technical difficulty, um, and we apologize to Jackie and Justin for losing that last little bit. Um, but we had a wonderful conversation with them, and we're excited to have a few more in the future. Thanks. Have a nice week. Bye.